was uh, so glad to have spring finally here. I know it's a little gloomy today, but that's part of spring. So it's good to be with you. Uh, how many of you heard Brendan's message last week? Quite a few? Great. Uh, we're going to build on that. One of the things before we start, though, is um, when Mark sings like that, there really is a, something joyful about it, isn't there? Not just because we get to make a lot of fun of him. Um, there's actually something that brings joy by watching somebody just be unhindered and free in Jesus. And to see that, w- the, one of the things I love is I love the days where I can say, today I am the highest percentage of the real me. The highest percentage of who I am in Jesus is today. That's a good day. That's a really good day. Uh, we're going to talk a little more about holiness today, but one of the things that we need to make sure we establish and we don't lose is what Brendan preached last week. What Brendan did last week is he put the horse before the cart. And he said the only place that we can really find true holiness is in Christ, is in God. It's, it's anything absent from God will be absent of complete holiness. And we need to remember that because we talk about, you know, we can get into things that might hinder us, which we're going to talk about today. But if we don't have that, that groundwork and that framework to put our anchor in and, and step on solidly that God is the only place where holiness happens, we'll miss it. And we'll move into some kind of a works righteousness or something. And so we need to make sure that we, that we understand that. Last week, Brendan said, let me make sure I quote him right while he's on, while he's on vacation. Um, holiness is an indicator of where I am, not what I've done. And what he means by that is when we are with God, when we are moving with God, when we are in communication with God, when we're following God, that's where holiness happens. That's exactly where it happens. It's not based on what we do. But he said something else last week. He said, we take this simple concept of being with God to find holiness and to be in holiness, and we do this. Remember when, I don't know if you remember, he did this. He goes, and we complicate it, and we make it all muddled. And when he did that last week, I said, and I wrote down in my note paper, which is on the inside of your bulletin if you want to take notes, I wrote, why do we do that? How do we do that? How does it happen? What's the cause of that? What does it prevent us from doing? And I, you know, I'm a great question asker. Don't ever have the answers usually, but I can ask really good questions. But then that sent me on the trail for today's message, and I think the Lord wants to show us one way that we can really muddle it up, that we can complicate it, that we can um, things that that we do or that um, happen in our lives that we we don't move towards the holiness piece as quickly, or we're weighted down by it. So we're going to start with a video. And so if the house lights and all the lights could be dimmed, this is going to be a two-minute video that we're going to watch that will kind of set the stage for what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Hey, Daddy, I want a golden goose. Here we go again. All right, sweetheart, all right. Daddy will get you a golden goose as soon as we get home. No, I want one of those. Bonka, how much do you want for the golden goose? They're not for sale. Name your price. She can't have one. Who says I can't? The man with a funny hat. I want one. I want a golden goose. Gooses. Geeses. I want my geese to lay gold eggs for Easter. It will, sweetheart. At least a hundred a day. Anything you say. And by the way, what? 
I want a feast. You ate before you came to the factory. I want a bean feast. Oh, one of those. Cream buns and donuts and fruitcake with no nuts. So good you could go nuts. You're going to have all those things when you get home. No, now. I want a ball. I want a party. Pink macaroons and a million balloons and performing baboons and give it to me. <laughs> now. I want the world. I want the whole world. I want to lock it all up in my pocket. It's my bar of chocolates. Give it to me now. I want today. I want tomorrow. I want to wear them like braids in my hair. And I don't want to share them. I want a party with roomfuls of laughter. 10,000 tons of ice cream. And if I don't get the things I am after, I'm going to scream! I want the works, I want the whole works, presents and prizes and sweets and surprises of all shapes and sizes, and now, don't care how I want it now. Don't care how I want it now. <laughs> Good old Baruch Assault. If you remember watching that a lot, it's one of my favorite movies. Sometimes we have to admit there's a little Baruch Assault in all of us. We want it now. We want the whole world. <laughs> we want it now. I love when she goes like this and then she gets all nice. It's like, that's our church face. I'm fine. Everything's great. <laughs> when really on the inside, there's something going on that's hindering us. Something that's going on from, from weighing us down to being completely who Jesus has called us to be. It's something that happens that we take the simple and we complicate it. And one of the ways we do that is by our demands. Have you ever done that where you are demanding things be a certain way? Anybody? <laughs> I do. I do it. And then if I don't get what I want, and, 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 and I don't even know if I'm conscious of this, but now that I've been looking at it, I'm aware of it more. But if I don't get what I want, then I get mad. And I start to demand on it, and I start to insist, this is what I'm going to get, and I'm going to make this happen. I'm a fighter. I'm naturally was, I, I don't know if I was born to be a fighter, but my childhood made me learn how to survive. And it made me learn how to fight. And for a lot of times, it, it will serve us well. But when I get something in my mind about the way it should be, the other thing that works against me is I'm a futurist on the strength finder. So I'm always looking 10 years out and saying, this is how it will look. And then I get my blinders on and I'm like, here we go. Let's make it happen. When I begin to demand my way, and don't get it, it pulls me away from asking the Lord, what's your way? What do you want? And I get mad. Have you ever done that? Like if you're doing a craft and it doesn't turn out the right way, or you're driving on the freeway, and a drive you've been driving a million times, and there's somebody closed the entrance, and I had to go, I had to go a different way this morning because one of the ramps is going to be closed. And I, I was like irritated. I was demanding that my ramp be open. So I could drive the way I wanted to drive. How do you respond? Is, 
honestly, it's sometimes if, it's, if we admit it, we're like Veruca Salt, and we start kicking things and throwing things and rolling carts at little people and, you know, and, you know, but the inner thing, what she was doing is she's like, I want it. I want it now. I'm going to make it happen, and I'm going to demand that it happen. And when we get to this place, if it doesn't become a reality, we begin to point fingers. We begin to blame. We begin to accuse. Graham Sellers um, is a friend of ours that is on the ARC National Leadership Team, which is our network. And he wrote in his book, um, Dangerous Kind, he wrote this. Once we've seized upon a scenario of our advancement, the way we want it to be and we think it ought to be, we insist it be realized. It seldom is. It's seldom exactly as we realize. And then when it's not, the demands we've placed on ourselves, others, and God to make it come true become an accusation against the very life of God in us and against those whom God has provided to walk this road with us. When we begin to move into a place where we're accusing and demanding that things be our way, we're losing touch with the holiness within us of God. We, 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 we stop asking the questions, Lord, what do you want to say? How do you want to say it? And I think one of the reasons that this happens, Paul, is, he briefly goes over it in verse 3 and 4 of Romans chapter 1, and we're going to look at that. But I, when I read that, I thought, this, this is something to pay attention to. This is a tension. This is a tension we all live in all the time. And Paul writes this. In verse 3, he says, Concerning his son, Jesus, who descended from David according to the flesh. That's his lineage. It's where he came from. And was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness. Do you see it? According to the flesh and according to the spirit. Their attention that's real and we constantly live in, and we're constantly juggling back and forth all the time. The tension, the flesh and the spirit, are always at work. We have the flesh, which is the fact. He's a descendant of David. But the spirit, when we're in the, we're, when we're in the spirit, when we are close proximity to God, when we are the highest percentage of who we are, that is where our identity in Christ is. It's where our identity in Christ is. So, like, for instance, when Jesus was baptized, the, you know, the father came down and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He was completely saying, this is who he is. He hasn't even done anything. It's just who he is that matters. And again, Paul says, according to the spirit of holiness, when we are walking in the spirit, our identity is being realized. Our true identity of who we are in Jesus. And here we, you know, we try to live as we know we ought, Sometimes we're not aware of what's hindering us and what's, what's weighing us down and what's making us not able to walk as freely as we want to walk. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Why does the author say that? Because it's here. Weight and sin and those things of the flesh are with us. It's not, it's, we're human. We're human beings, we're in a fallen world, so these things are here. To look at them, to say, what is hindering me is something we ought to do. We can't get rid of it if we don't know what it is. Jesus, when he was telling his disciples to go out, he says, take nothing for your journey. 
Why? Because we carry things that weigh us down. We carry things that we don't need to be carrying. It's, it's modeled for us. These things draw us away from the Father. So we need to let go of trying to control the world we want. Don't do this, but I'm sure my husband, if you asked him, could attest that I demand things be a certain way a lot. But even on the outside where it's visible, the harder part is on the inside. When I'm like this, everything's great, but on the inside, I'm like, I don't want this. I want this to be different. I demand this to be different. And I begin to accuse people and say, well, if they would just talk to me like this, then I would be better. Well, if they would just act this way, then my world would be better and more in place. The thing is, you can't demand that. You can't demand that from other people. You can't demand holiness. Holiness happens. Holiness happens when we're in the presence of God. But we want to. But here's something we can do. We can say, what is hindering me, Lord? We can ask that risky, scary question, and we can say, what is hindering me? Because the way of the flesh is heavy, and the way of the spirit is light. Brendan mentioned uh, last week (laughs) that on April 29th, I'm going to be leaving, and I'm going on a pilgrimage. I am going to be walking with my son, Scotty, um, from St. John Pied de Port, France, which is in the southwest corner of France, through the Pyrenees, and head west 500 miles. It's a pilgrimage called the Camino de Santiago, and I was put on my heart. I thought at first it was me, and then I couldn't get rid of it, so then I thought maybe it was the Lord. I asked some counsels. I talked with Scott, and we're like, yeah. And it became to the place of God is calling me to do this, and I have to go find out why. I really don't know why. All I know is he's asking me to be open. He's asking me to carry as little as possible. And I'm even reading a book called To Walk Far, Carry Less. So I'm preparing, and, you know, I think I'm preparing. You know, it's like Lamaze class for labor. You think you're preparing? Yeah, you don't have a clue. So, um, but, so I'm reading a lot of books, and I'm walking a lot. And that's about it. And so, but I'm reading this book, To Carry Far, or To Walk far, carry less. And in this book, it's a a lady wrote it that has walked the Camino de Santiago probably five or six times. So she has a lot of experience. And she has been able to downsize her backpack by four to six pounds because she is very aware of what is the weight that she doesn't need. What is the weight that she's carrying that will not only um, weigh her down, but it will hinder her. The more weight you carry, the more likely you'll get blisters. The more likely you'll get shin splints. The more likely you'll get tendonitis. The more likely your shoulders and and the back and everything will not work the way you want it to work. Although it might happen to me anyways. But I'm going to do what I can do. And so she says, you cut off the tags. If you have a shirt, cut the tag off. Got a sleeping bag, cut the tag off. You've got a bag to put something in. Uh, We have, Scotty and I bought little travel roller paper, or toilet paper rolls, roller paper, (laughs) toilet paper rolls, and you take them out of the plastic casing and put it in a baggie because it's lighter. I mean, it's serious. Cut the zipper pulls off. Whatever you can do to make your bag lighter, cut the earplug packages out and put them in something lighter. I mean, it's crazy. And then she has you put it all in a bowl and weigh it. And you're unaware that you've just eliminated almost a pound of stuff that you don't need to carry. 
And a pound is a lot when you have to stay under, like, I want to stay under 17 pounds with food and water. So it, you, but I had to look. I had to look at what I was carrying, and I had to think about it. Sometimes we have to do that with our walk here, with our journey. Sometimes life muddles us up, and we don't even know it's happening, and then we become aware of it, then we can do something about it. In Paul's writings, he never, never talks about holiness absence of God. Never. It's always in there. And I believe God is calling us back. It's one of the tensions to be aware of in our series on Romans to this simple life of holiness with God. What's muddling it up? What's getting in the way? In order to do that, we have to be able to look at it and say, this is getting in the way. So, you know, what does that sound like? It's, I, this has been happening to me. I didn't know what I was in until I saw it. And God bless Mark Spencer. He gently asked me a few questions, and all of a sudden I began to see it. And some things were happening in my life that I were demanding be different. And I began to get into this rhythm of victim mentality, pointing fingers, saying, well, if they would just do this differently, if they would do it right, they would do it my way. God, I hate even admitting it out loud. But that's what we need to look at. And if we can do that, I'm telling you, some of the sweetest times of my journey with Jesus is sitting in that place with him, of saying, okay, let's look. Let's look. Because I don't want to live with all that weight. I want to be the highest percentage of who Sharon Franta is in Jesus more days than not. And if there's something over here that's hindering me, I want to get rid of it. Maybe it sounds like, I want to be this way. That's away from God. Jesus, how do you want it to be? That's with God. I, I don't, oh, well, okay, that's nice, but I'm going to do it this way anyway. Away from God. Oh, Jesus, yeah. And he nods with grace and says, yeah, let's try it my way now. <laughs> this is too scary. It's too risky. I can't do this. I used to say to him when the first, lots of the pilgrimage first came to my mind, like, you're crazy. There's no way. That's, that's insane. I can't do that. That's not you. And he just kept gently saying, it's me. I'm in this. And when the plans would get t- hard and, the, and tough, and the first day I did 14 miles, I was like, oh, no, this isn't going to happen. And God said, and I went to him, and he said, I'm still in this. Okay, he's still in this. He's still got me. He's still got it. And then we can move into the place of like, well, if only they would. If only they would change, I would be better. If only they would. And then we can also move into a place that's one of the hardest places to be. And it's like, there's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I'm not okay. And we demand we be different. And when we demand that we be different, what we're saying to God is, you screwed up. He doesn't screw up. He doesn't make a mistake when he makes us. We're just demanding it be different. We're demanding we be like someone else. We're demanding that we be um, more holy. You can't demand holiness. 
You can't demand it. You can't demand it from others. You can't demand it from yourself. The only thing we can do is get into the presence of God and let him steep unto deep, spirit unto spirit, talk to the spirit within us that is holy and steward the holiness that was, is within us now. That's what we can do. And it's a sweet, sweet place to do that. Holiness is outside of our own, our own doing. But grace, Mark's going to talk about this more next week. Grace is where we, where we can land. Even when, if we're willing to take and look at, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm accusing, I'm pointing fingers, I'm mad at myself, I'm demanding things be different, I'm demanding that I be a different way, someone else be a different way, la, 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 la. Even if we're doing that and we look at that, if we go to Jesus and find grace, our burden will become lighter. I promise you. It will begin to dissolve. Whenever you bring anything into the light, it has less power, doesn't it? Whenever you bring anything into the light, it has less weight, doesn't it? We, you know, and then here's, here's where I go when I look at something like that. You know where I go first? I go to self-criticism. I go, Sharon, you idiot. How come you didn't see that coming? You should have known better. And on and on and on it goes. The hardest place for us to extend grace sometimes is to ourselves. I had a picture when I was processing and going through this. I'm an INFP introvert that like sinks into this pit. And I told Spencer, I go, you know, I can get us into the pit really easily. Sometimes I don't know how to get us out. Um, But as I was processing, which is how it works for me, I was thinking about, how I saw, he said, well, what, is, what does God think of you? And quickly, I'm like, oh, he loves me. I'm great, I'm strong, he loves my adventurous spirit, he loves my tenacity, you know, and I can really picture how God thinks of me. Okay, well, what does Jesus think of you? Oh, he's, he's so pleased. He's so pleased that I go to him and that we talk. And, and then he says, now, what do you think of yourself? And immediately, I'm back in the pit. And it's just this, this weird disconnect that I'm actually still working through. And the hardest place to extend grace sometimes is to ourselves. We may go kicking and screaming, but <laughs> Jesus doesn't care about how. I may kick and scream my whole way across, on, across Spain, but yes, Scotty will, <laughs> might send me home on a plane by myself, honey. But um, <laughs> I'm going to do it because I have to trust him. I have to trust him. When we're over here and we're stuck in this and we're muddled and we notice it, we lift it up to the Lord and we say, Lord, tell me what you want me to know about that. It's why those two questions Brendan's constantly asking is so important because it constantly, consistently ushers us back into his holiness where we can live from that place which is the highest percentage of who we either are, because of who we are. Because we either go to shame or criticism or grace. When we see things that need to be changed, when we see things that we want to let down, what is it that you go to? How do you respond? And if we kick and scream like Veruca Salt, that's okay. It's okay. Just stick with him. Stick with Jesus. There's a scripture. I didn't know I was going to read this, so give me a minute. But in Ephesians that Paul writes, And he says this, 
God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. When I worked at a previous job, there was somebody there that was, we were different. We were very different, and it was hard to have conversations, and it was hard to connect, and we were constantly missing each other. And it was really hard to have grace, and, and I was frustrated, and I was demanding things be different. And finally, I got to the Lord through the help of some great mentors. Finally, I got to the Lord, and he said, extend the grace that's been extended to you. I needed to extend the grace that's been extended to me. Then listen to this. Um, By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself models kindness. He models grace. And what are we supposed to do? Our vision statement says it, that we are to become a safe place, to be with and become like Jesus. We're building a safe place to be with and become like Jesus, to be with and become like Jesus. Well, if that's true, and if Jesus extends that kind of grace to us and that kind of kindness to us, We have to model that to each other and to ourselves. It's a mandate that we model kindness and grace to ourselves. Check our self-talk. I have to check it all the time. All the time. Be kind to yourself. I hope that makes sense. I hope that 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 says that when when you do bring Jesus with you to look at something that is weighing you down, that will not allow you to walk in the fullness of who he's called you to be, that you go to that place and you know he's with you, and then you do the work that needs to be done, and then you say, good work, Sharon, to yourself, good work. And you hear Jesus say, good work, good work. You're on the journey. You're on the journey of shedding off all that hinders you, All that clings so closely and you're running the race. Good work. God is holy. God is holy. God is holiness. And he will never leave us. And he'll never forsake us. He'll be with me on this walk in Spain and he'll be with me on the journey here on earth. We're sojourners. We're pilgrims on this journey and he is with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you... Just thank you for who you are. Thank you that you so gently and so graciously and so kindly bring to our attention the things that hinder us and weigh us down from walking fully in the freedom you've designed for us to walk in. Lord, I pray that you would teach us uh, more, that you would teach us um, how to notice and see and to release the things that hinder us and weigh us down so that we can walk far with you so that we can become the highest percentage possible on this side of heaven of who you've created us to be. Thank you for your goodness and your holiness and your graciousness. 
And Lord, I pray that we would continuously put you first and move to you and follow your ways above ours. It's your breath. 